I bring you greetings from North Hills Church up in Bernieville. Glad to be able to be here. Thank you for having me. If you're visiting this morning, do please come back next week and hear Pastor Alex. Certainly uh, want you to know that Alex is a dear friend of mine. Uh, He's someone I see on a regular basis, probably once a week at least. And when I'm discouraged in ministry and I'm frustrated with myself, oftentimes he just looks at me and reminds me, says, Adam, you are a son. And I need to hear that reminder from time to time. So I'm grateful for Alex. I'm grateful for this church. And I'm grateful for our Presbyterian connectionalism, that we are connected and we recognize that as we gather together in our churches, being a part of a larger body of Christ. Of course, we're just one blip on the dot, one dot in the kingdom of God. I invite you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 12. And let me just tell you, this sermon, this passage is very personal to me. And that will maybe come through. But these verses became, I suppose, we sometimes speak of life verses. Well, I think sometimes life verses, those verses that capture where you are or what you need, can change from season to season. And about three years ago, at the end of this month, I was diagnosed with cancer. Many of you know that and were praying for me. It was a very troubling, trying time for my family, for my children, for my wife. Uh, It was scary. And we had to learn to uh, put these things in perspective. And that's what this sermon is about. It's about putting our trials, our pains, in perspective. In perspective of the Word of God and what God is doing in our midst. So would you follow along as I read God's word this morning? And again, I thank you for welcoming me this morning to this pulpit. For God, who said that light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God And not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live, are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Would you join me as I pray? Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you for this Sunday as Alex and I swap pulpits. We thank you that your word endures. And it is a gift to us, whether it is here at the Village Church or in Meridianville at North Hills or at any other gospel-centered, Bible-focused church. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we pray that you would illumine our hearts and minds, that you would speak to us so that we might hear you once again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Trauma happens. Other things happen in a fallen world, but trauma happens. Pain happens. There's a 
piece that I read from David Brooks in the New York Times. He's an op-ed columnist, and he wrote a couple years this piece called The Art of Presence. And he was talking about the Woodowis family and what they have faced as a family. In 2008, Anna Woodowis, then 27, was working for a service organization in Afghanistan. And on April 1st, she went horseback riding and was thrown, dying from her injuries. In 2013, her younger sister, Catherine, then 26, was biking home from, uh, from work in Washington, and she was hit by a car, and her face was severely damaged, going, undergoing a series of operations. For a time, she breathed and ate through a tube, unable to speak. The recovery for her is understandably slow. Trauma has invaded this family Their mother, Catherine, writes that there will be days when you feel like a quivering, cowardly shell of yourself. When despair yawns as a terrible chasm. When fear paralyzes any chance for pleasure. This is just a fight that has to be won over and over and over again. There will be a time when you have to enter that fight. It may not be that kind of trauma, that degree. It may be more like mine in the diagnosis unexpected at the age of 36 of cancer and what that would mean. But there might be, and I should say there will be a time in this fallen world where you will or you already have had to enter into this fight. And that fight is asking this question. Is there something more at work? Is God doing something in the midst of your trauma? The answer is yes. Let me show you that from the Word of God. And here's my theme this morning, my big picture. It's encapsulated in the first part of the, or the sermon title gets the first part. This moment is real, but it is not the only reality. This moment is real. What you face The pain that you go through, the trauma that you endure is real. But it is not the only reality. So I'm going to take two passes at this text. So if you're following along in your Bible, I'm going to go through it one time. And then I'm going to go through it a second time. And I'm going to pull on a couple threads. I'm going to pull on the thread of trauma and pain. That's the bad news. But then I'm going to pull on the thread of God's grace and his transcending work of mercy. That's the good news. So first, this moment is real. As we consider the very real moment we find ourselves in at times, or that we see around us, consider how these three things fit. Our frailty, our suffering, and our death. Our frailty, our suffering, and our death. Verse 6 starts very positively. And I'll come back to it, as I said. It certainly starts with God's work. Uh, he's letting light shine. He's, he's the one who says that light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Very typical Paul statement. Lots of words, but it's very positive. But from there, he begins to talk about our frail condition. Look at verse 7. But... Even though this reality is true of God's grace, this work, but we have to face another one, another real moment. 
we have this treasure in jars of clay. That is, the work of God is put in us, but we are merely jars of clay. You ever broken a a plate? My kids, when they're doing dishes, they're always chipping the, the plates, right? And we break the coffee cup that happened this week, right? We're just those vessels, and we are prone to breaking. We're very frail. That's what Paul is saying, saying you have a great treasure, but it's within your body, within your life, and it is a mere vessel, a mere jar of clay. Of course, all throughout 2 Corinthians is this theme of weakness, and that God's grace is manifested in our weakness. Go on later to chapter 12. We don't have time for that this morning, but you might look later. And that's very much what Paul is saying. And in the South, we have this saying, I'm about to give out. Right? We feel it physically in our bodies. And I don't know about you, but you know, I'm a basketball fan. I love to watch Kobe Bryant play. But man, he's, he's lost it. right? And he knows it. He knows it. And so he's retiring. Right? But he, he was a transcendent athlete for years. But he is a mere vessel, a mere jar of clay. So even the greatest athletes, Peyton Manning, some people are excited he won that, that last Super Bowl. But man, something's about to fall off. Right? We understand this in our bodies, particularly as we age, as we endure disease and the rest. We will not be uh, at that upper echelon forever, even if we're just kind of getting about in our lives. So there's this frailty. There's also this suffering. And, and listen to verses 8 and 9 again. And notice that there is a radical honesty in what Paul writes. He is not simply going to say, put a smile on it, everything's all right. No, he uses very real words to describe our suffering. We are afflicted in every way, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. That's the first part of those statements in verses 8 and 9, and they are real and honest, and they describe how we feel sometimes. Have you ever felt afflicted in every way? Here I am a couple years ago, I've begun my chemotherapy treatments, and it's at the beginning of that chemo, so I'm still feeling relatively good, and I decide that it's be worthwhile to play chase with my son on a scooter. I know, I know, I should have, I needed that face right there before I got on the scooter. Like, what are you, right? So here I am, I'm weak in my body, but I'm wanting to enjoy the sunshine. I'm wanting to play. And so I go down the driveway, and I made it fine down the driveway. But as I reach out to tag Ethan, my son, something happened. I don't know. Scooter went up, I went down, and I thought, I thought my backside would be the problem. It was my knee. I tore partially my MCL in my left knee. So here I am going through chemo, and they can't do surgery because of my depressed immune system. And so now I'm doing physical therapy in the hopes that I won't have to undergo surgery later to repair that. And I was able to, you know, get out of that. Let me tell you, I felt afflicted. Okay? I felt afflicted. And yeah, it was my stupidity that brought on the scooter incident, as I call it now. But still, I understood. I felt afflicted. And you may feel that way, where it seems like it's just one thing after another. 
and you're not sure you can endure anymore. But that is life in a fallen world. Have you ever been perplexed? Have you ever said, God, I don't know what you're doing? Persecuted, maybe a little more distant from us here in our culture, in our context, but we're certainly seeing that with brothers and sisters around the world. Struck down. Some days, you just feel like you're crawling through it from one day to another. That's our suffering. We're frail. We suffer. And then, Paul starts talking about death. Paul, come on. Work with us here. He starts making these remarks over and over again. Verse 10. We are always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus. Literally, the death of Jesus there is the dying of Jesus, which emphasizes not just the completed act of his death, but his entire passion, all that he suffered, all that he endured. The dying of Jesus we carry around with us. Speaking of that process of dying, then at the beginning of verse 11, for we who are alive are always being given over to death. For Jesus' sake. That word, the phrase there, being given over, it's the same verb as in Romans 8.32. The difference being, which Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. The difference is that Romans, the verb is active. That is, it is the active work of God. In 2 Corinthians here, it's passive. That is, God is doing it in us. And you may not like it, but he's doing it. God is at work in you and in me. And we merely receive that work. But I said and have said that cancer is a sanctifying grace. A sanctifying grace. Why? Because I don't know about you. But I would dearly love for that staples easy button to be true. That's one thing that I cling to in this world is my sense of comfort and ease. I want life to go well. I want it to go smoothly. I want it to be easy. And when God brings trauma, when he brings suffering, when he brings pain for his glory and our good, it is a sanctifying grace. Because all of a sudden, I am no longer clinging to those things in this world so much. And instead, I'm clinging to my Savior. That's what we all need to do more and more. But that is difficult. And what that requires is it requires dying to self. But let me tell you, if that was a college elective, dying to self... There wouldn't be anybody in the class. Nobody signs up for that. But it is God's work. Finally, verse 12, Paul says it very explicitly. So death is at work in us, but life in you. But that death, that dying to self, that living unto God is difficult. And the experience of this world, this fallen world, and the trauma of it, the pain of it, the frailty of it, the suffering of it. It is hard. But we must acknowledge that it is real. Because if we do not acknowledge that it is real, then we cannot acknowledge what God is doing in it. 
There's a book called The Little Way of Ruthie Lemming by Rob Dreer. I read it while I was going through treatment. It was probably dumb because it's about a woman who has cancer or had cancer. She lived in St. Francisville, Louisiana. Ruthie Lemming was her name, Rob Dreer's sister. She was incredibly loved well. Uh, St. Francisville was a poor community there, I think about an hour north of Baton Rouge, somewhere in that area. And she was a teacher. She was a Christian. And in her mid-30s, she was diagnosed with single-cell lung cancer, stage 4. 1% of people who are diagnosed have that diagnosis live past five years. She was not in that 1%. But throughout this book, his, his, her brother writes, and as he describes her frailty, her suffering, and ultimately her death, there was something more that was going on. The cancer was a great reality for her, and it was a great struggle. But there was something greater, a greater reality. And so this is the point. The moment is real, but it is not the only reality. And we have to look for this greater reality in our lives. We have to fight for it. And so let's go back through the passage and let me show you this and what it means. This is the main thrust of what I think Paul's doing in these verses. There's our frailty, but God's power. There's our suffering, but God's but. There's our death, but God's life. So first, our frailty, but God's power. So back to verse 6. told you we'd go back. Here's the great reality and the greater reality of your salvation in Jesus Christ. God brings us out of darkness and into the light. He recreates us. The God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who creates all things, recreates us in and through Jesus Christ. And so we go from falling creation to recreation. For God who said that light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's good news. Darkness to light. We go. And then we picked up verse 7. I talked about our frailty. But notice what else Paul says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. There is indeed great weakness that we face, but there is also great treasure even as you feel your body giving out or you feel the ground beneath you slipping away, recognize that within you is this great treasure if you are trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation. And ultimately, who is the story about? It's not about me. It's about God. It's not about you. It's about God. He puts this treasure in us, frail vessels, so that He can demonstrate His power and His glory. So that no one would look at us and say, oh, that guy's got it together. He's on his way up. No, they look at us and they see, man, he's struggling, but Jesus is shining through him. Boy, she is going through a rough patch, but Jesus is at work within her. That's our frailty, but God's power there's also our suffering, but God's but. And I'm not trying to be crass here. This is just the way I've remembered it for years. 
These butts in verses 8 and 9, they're holy butts. Okay? Because, look at what they say. They say there is a real thing that you suffer. But there is a greater reality that belongs to God and is yours. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. This is what works throughout Scripture. There's all of these times where we come across that this is true, but this is the greater reality. Genesis 50:20. Joseph speaking to his brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Psalm 73, 26, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Do you hear the but? It's saying this is real, but this is the greater reality too. Ephesians 2, 1, and then 4 and 5, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. And then you jump down to verse 4, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And so, now God's not explicitly mentioned in these verses in 2 Corinthians, but it's implied there. It's so implied that when Paul is able to say, you know, this is true, but there's something else. And, that, and God is that something else. And here's the challenge. We live life in the comma. We live life in the in-between. Between that moment of affliction or persecution or perplexion or being struck down. But also that greater work that God is doing. And it is an ongoing work. And so we live life in the comma, in the in-between. And that's where faith has to come forth. Faith has to point us both to the thing that is true and the thing that is more true. There's also God's, excuse me, our death, but God's life. You know, I said it's not easy to die to self. We don't sign up for that. Sometimes we work at that actively. We're going through our, we're reading our scripture. We're putting down sin. We're struggling with those things. Sometimes we're active in that. Sometimes we're passive, though. But in either case, there is a purpose to our dying to self, to our sin, to the ways of this world. So look again at verses 10, 11, and 12. So you always carry around the body of the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Verse 11. For we who live are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake. That's the bad news. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And finally, so death is at work in us, but life in you. When we live for God in His glory, when we struggle with our trauma and our pain and our difficulties through the lens of what God might be doing or is doing within us, then we make our lives attractive to the world around us. Because they want to know What treasure do you possess that I can't buy and I can't earn? 
when we suffer knowing that God has a greater purpose. When we look for the ways at which His life is coming through us even in the midst of our death, then that makes us attractive to the world around us. It also makes us attractive to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling. Again, about Ruthie Lemming, the little way of Ruthie Lemming, there was a guy named Big Show. That's how we do in the South, right? I don't know that that was his given name, but Big Show was a friend of Ruthie Lemming's, and he had come to visit her as she was going through her treatment. And Big Show was furious with God. Because he could not understand why he would let someone so precious like Ruthie Lemming suffer. Why her? For all that she was known for. And so he was furious with God. And Ruthie said, you can't be. I'm not giving up hope. He has a plan for me. Even in the midst of her suffering, she knew that God was at work. A few days after her death, There were lots of people around and a lady in the post office says, there sure are a lot of cars around today. And someone said, well, Ruthie Lemming has passed. And she said, oh, that woman died? I just saw her in here last week. And I said, baby, you don't look like you feel too good. And Ruthie said in reply, no, ma'am, I don't. But I'm going to real soon. That's what it looks like to fight for a greater reality in your life. It does not have to be that dramatic, but it may be. It could be in the small things of job difficulties, relationship troubles, financial pressure, not knowing where you're going in life. There is an opportunity to fight for a greater reality. And let me tell you, this is not pop psychology. This is simply walking with God day in and day out in your life. And so what does it look like for us together to fight for a greater reality? But let me tell you. I could write books about this and bestsellers, but this is no secret. I'm going to tell you four things real quick. One, read the Scripture. Whoa. Wow. can't believe the pastor just said that. Number two, pray. Right? I'm telling you all the things you know already. Number three, sing. And number four, do life in community. Do life with other brothers and sisters, whether it's here at this church or another church. Do life in community because you cannot fight for a greater reality on your own. And I found that even as I was trying to learn this myself, as I went through my treatments, and now two years passed in remission, which I'm thankful for, still having regular scans and all that stuff, which I hate, I still have to fight for the greater reality, little by little, day by day. Let me conclude with this one more story, this one very personal. My friend Glenroy, his family was from Antigua. They moved to my neighborhood in the Atlanta area. And he came to my classroom when we were in first grade, I think it was. And I, I just had a sense that he had... Uh, that he was the new boy, new kid in the neighborhood. And I just said, Glenn, you're going to be my friend. Glenn, you're going to be my friend. And so we were friends, best friends, for years and years and years. We spent time with his family. His mom, with her thick Antiguan accent, would ask me a question. I never knew what she was saying. And I'd say, I'd just guess. Well, a couple years ago, he was in a car accident with his family. 
They were going to uh, run a race. He and his wife Sandra and their two children. A car crossed, crossed into the uh, lane that they were traveling in, head on. Their car flipped. Glenn suffered traumatic brain injuries. Sandra suffered great injuries as well. And after about uh, a couple weeks, Glenn was declared dead. He died of those injuries. At the funeral, as Sandra was walking up the aisle and out, there was a song playing, Higher Than the Mountains That I Face, Stronger Than the Power of the Grave, Constant Through the Trial and the Change. One thing remains. Your love, that is God's love, never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. And on and on and on it goes. And here was Sandra. She had a walker because she was learning to walk again. Here, this beautiful woman in her 30s having to learn to walk again. And she's going up the aisle and she stops as this song was was being sung by this choir. And she lifts her hand and she stops and she's singing, Your love never fails, never gives up. And I never, ever have to be afraid. One thing remains. In death, in life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. My debt is paid. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. That, my friends, is the greater reality. Fight for that. And come alongside those who need you to fight with them. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you for this time and this time with these dear people. And I pray that you would do your work in their lives and help them to see how you remain at work even in the most difficult times. We praise you. We thank you for Jesus. And Father, we thank you that you are with us always. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.